Welcome to Basecamp, a climbing magazine podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Riley. Thank you for tuning in. Coming to you from Fayetteville, West Virginia, home of the New River Gorge. Was here for the Craig and Classic last week and stuck around to chat with some of the locals and enjoy the bullet hard sandstone, which, when it is dry, some of the best rock in the world. Really doesn't get much better than this. If you haven't been to the New River Gorge, do yourself a favor and get yourself out here soon. You really won't regret it, I promise you. So the first interview is with Jessa Goble, who grew up in North Carolina. She started climbing at the age of nine and soon after was competing in national and international competitions. Once she aged out of the youth competition scene, Jessa focused her attention more towards climbing outside, especially high ball boulder problems. Currently, Jessa works as a sales rep and athlete in the climbing industry. We talked about why she gravitated towards climbing when she was younger, why she loves living in Fayetteville, West Virginia, and how she deals with injuries as she grows older. Then we have an interview with Pat Goodman, another Fayetteville local, who is known for many of the hard and sometimes scary trad routes he has established. We talked about one of the more memorable first ascents he put up, Ishmael, a 513RX route near Boone, North Carolina. We also talked about the time he on-site soloed scenic crews at Black Canyon in Colorado. We talked about what it was like to return to the Lotus Flower Tower again after 18 years and what he gets motivated about these days since he's not climbing as much. Two great interviews with two fantastic Fayetteville locals. I think you're going to really enjoy it. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by The Access Fund. Did you know one in five climbing areas in the United States is threatened by an access issue? Whether it's private land, loss of development, public land managers over-regulating climbing, or climber impacts degrading the environment, the list of threats is long and constantly evolving. At Access Fund, they're on a mission to protect climbing access and the integrity of America's outdoor climbing areas. See how you can get involved at accessfund.org. So here with Jessa, how are you doing, Jessa? Fantastic. <laughs> how was your day today? Fucking fabulous. <laughs> I think we should say that we're at the New River Gorge. We should let everybody know we're here at the AAC campground mm-hmm. for the Craig and Classic. And like always, there's a lot of fun, a little bit of rain, some moisture going on, but it's a great time. So, you know, I want to talk about the clinic that you gave today, but before that, can you give me a little bit of information about yourself, like where you're from? Maybe we'll start there. I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. Grew up climbing there. Started climbing when I was about nine years old and just kind of got super psyched on it and stuck with it. So w- real quick, let's take a step back. So how did you get into climbing originally? Were your parents into it or a friend or a camp? My uncle actually dabbled in it with a lot of other extreme outdoor sports that were all fads in the 90s. Like what type of sports? Like maybe some bungee jumping, Whoa. maybe some skydiving, maybe some... <laughs> Running from trains on railroad tracks, uh-huh. things of that nature, extreme sports. Whoa. Was he recreational? Was he like a pro? I mean, he sounds recreational. like Recreational. Pretty... Okay. Some mountain biking. Yeah. Some rock climbing. And did you look up to him as a, a young kid? I did, kid? yeah. I can imagine he was a powerful force. Yeah. Coming in with all of that. Yeah, something different. 
Okay. Something I was into. I never really felt like I fit in anywhere. And um, it was just something different that I kind of latched on to. It was super cool and fun and something that helped me push through some barriers and learn about myself and uh-huh. learn about life and kind of brought me to where I am now. And yeah, definitely thankful for that. Well, do you remember like the first time you went climbing? Absolutely. I was terrified. Started with some rappelling and then some up climbing. Huh. Um, and then that Christmas, my parents got me lessons at the gym. Okay. And I just kind of stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And did you feel at home at the gym? I did, yeah. Everybody was super chill, super cool, and I was always the little kid that that every that you know people were nice enough to take under their wing and Mm -hmm. teach some tricks too, and teach some climbing too, and it was good. And was climbing real competitive at an early age? No, this was was... in the mid '90s, (laughs) so it was still kind of a eccentric extreme sport uh-huh um it was not on many people's radar so it's yeah it was okay. not really a thing back then it was totally an extreme sport <laughs> and do you feel like that kind of like gave you something to grab onto, like throughout your adolescence and like kind of coming of age was it did it kind of become your personality? It did. And like your it really did, yeah. core group of friends? It did, yeah. And it still is today. Yeah. I, just, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so where did you go? So, you know, what else were you into as a kid? Was it pretty much all climbing all the time or were there other things? It got to that point where, yes, it was all climbing all the time. Like everything, all life came to a screeching halt. Uh-huh. I did the bare minimum to get by at school. And yeah. then social young adult life and all roads for me at that point in my life led to climbing Mm -hmm. very and not much has really changed since then yeah (laughs) it's always been the constant in my life regardless of whatever's going on Mm -hmm. and as like a lifestyle were you very into like the competitive side of climbing yes i um started out like you know, climbing in the 90s was very core. Uh-huh. You were a core climber that climbed outside in the valley, or you were competitive and did competitions. And I did competitions and was a youth climber very young at that time, doing the junior comps and um, started climbing comps and then did it till I aged out and it was all rope sport climbing comps and um yeah did and that what do you I mean aged, aged out. out till I aged out of the junior comp scene okay and then I was at that point in time I was so over it mm-hmm. um and then you wanted to get more into then, outdoor climbing absolutely. and adventure yeah. stuff yeah I became more into hanging out with my friends outdoors because uh-huh. all my friends I really wanted to hang out with were climbing outdoors every weekend so it kind of mm-hmm. My climbing transitioned from comps to climbing outdoors to um, climbing first female sense. Take uh-huh. it for whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> to... Were you alluding to something there? No, some people are just kind of in and out of that. I yeah. Mean, but yeah, I've 
gotten to do some really cool things. Yeah. And it's become a lifestyle for you as like a professional athlete. Absolutely. Beyond just winning comps, like Mm -hmm. you've been able to make a lifestyle out of it, which... Yes, I've been very lucky, very fortunate to be able to kind of piecemeal together that kind Uh of lifestyle in whatever fashion. And what excites you these days? What type of trips? What type of adventures? What type of projects? <laughs> um, I'll be completely transparent and okay. say that <laughs> I am not at the top of my game. Uh-huh. I'm not climbing the hardest I've ever climbed in my life by any means whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So m- due to injury and lifestyle changes and, you know, life gets in the way of lots of things. But I've been able to find ways to explore different avenues of climbing which has been awesome Uh and it's been kind of a blessing to have been injured and deal with certain issues and kind of change how I climb and transition from climbing sport routes to trad routes to climbing in the mountains and Mm -hmm. climbing alpine light and going and doing bigger and cooler things so I would say in the last year or two, I've been really excited about just checking boxes on the life list, going places I've always wanted to go since I was a kid, uh-huh. doing these classic, classic routes. What type of places are on that list? Um, Places like Cochise Stronghold oh, or yeah. City of Rocks in New uh-huh. Mexico. Nobody knows yeah. about that. The place was the shit in the 90s. <laughs> you know, that place was so hot in the 90s. Uh-huh. And not many people have even heard of it for climbing now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty like obscure. an hour and a half, two hours away from Waco Tanks. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And, like, I went to Lufatin in Norway this summer and it was fantastic. Awesome. Was that a personal up. trip or that for was, a sponsor? That was a personal trip oh. and it was fantastic. Sweet. Um, and just checking boxes on these routes and these places I've always wanted to go uh-huh. to. Going to Kolob Canyon and climbing Namaste. Uh-huh. Like just checking boxes off the life list. It's been refreshing and invigorating to, you know, backfill and do these cool things mm-hmm. that just kind of get swept to the side when you are climbing at the top of your game. Yeah. So what type of injuries were you dealing with? Um, I was diagnosed with arthritis in my elbow. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's hard for a climber. Ago, and it's kind of been crushing. Mm-hmm. And then I've got um, in the, when I was <laughs> a kid, I, and uh, a young adult, so to say, uh, was really into climbing and living in Boone. I was really into climbing these tall, scary, highball boulder problems. That uh-huh. was kind of what I was really into is getting really scared and climbing my way out of it and taking big falls. And I've got hip problems from that and just going a little too hard in the paint and not taking care of myself and uh-huh. um, paying for all of that now. But it's hard to deal with. Like, it's I really feel, hard to deal with. I mean, I just have to get dealt like a hard dose of reality so often whenever I get hurt, you know, it's like climbing becomes your identity. It becomes your friend group. Mm -hmm. And then when you lose that, you're like, well, you know, like, what am I supposed to do with my time? Like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And then coming back from it, obviously, like 
can be somewhat like humiliating you know you get on routes that you did years ago and you're like i should be able to do this oh yes you things you've onsighted easily yeah, and you're like so oh humbling. no i know and then you know you get older and it's just like the harder i feel like i try to train and like be healthy i get injured so much more often and have to be so much more mindful of that and then also try to like grow as a person and try to use that injury time to focus on other things but it is so difficult because you know also as like an athlete you know like you need to use that energy you can't just sit and read a book for like three days straight you know like you need to exert yourself absolutely you know it's mind and body so it's like really hard to deal with so now what i've done is i've retreated into the flat irons you know living in boulder <laughs> yeah, i'm like there you go. well if i can't like climb hard right now my knees killing me <laughs> yeah. you know or i got like i had a sports hernia recently it's like i'll just go scramble like the second flat iron totally. and go like run like running just has go been... romping yeah romping in the mountains is, yeah it's so therapeutic and like the first thing i did here i got here and i was like i'm gonna go run the Kmore loop it's like oh, i think yeah. like a 10 mile loop or something mm -hmm. but i come off this sports hernia put on some weight and like i i did it but then my foot just like hurt for like two days straight i was like great oh, i injured oh, myself <laughs> i can't go climbing now it's just like aging is the worst it's i mean <laughs> it's it's I feel like at this point in the game, I'm just so over it and have accepted it and, and just, it, you just change how you climb mm -hmm. and know that it's not over. You just need to change how you climb, climb different things, Yeah. put in the work, get strong again, take it slow, you know, little, little victories. Yeah. So what's it like to live here in Fayetteville, West Virginia? I will say, I think this is one of the greatest climbing destinations in the entire country. I just love the community here. It is fantastic. So it I wouldn't trade it for anything. <laughs> I I will say, I've been climbing here for 20 plus years. I love uh -huh. it. I couldn't imagine my life without the New River Gorge. It's become, definitely become my home. I started mm -hmm. climbing here in the late, in the mid late 90s and I mean... It's just a place that teaches you so much about climbing. And even this far into it, decades into climbing here, I still, every time I go climbing here, I just learn, learn something new. Mm -hmm. And it's so refreshing. And you don't really get that from that many areas. Yeah. Um, the community is fantastic. Everybody is so, so chill and cool. And nobody cares how hard you climb. Nobody gives a shit what you climb, how hard you climb. They, everybody just wants to hang out and go climbing together. And if you climb hard, that's cool. If not, whatever, that's cool. You're out there still trying to get <laughs> after it. It just really doesn't matter. There's no, um, yeah, there's no pressure, mm -hmm. you know. Are you ever surprised more people haven't moved here? I'm surprised it's not busier. I'm not. Really? No, living here, I mean, it's just such, like, West Virginia is, is tough. It's... Uh, yeah. A total red state. Mm -hmm. It's totally oppressed. It's just socioeconomically oppressed. It always has been. Hopefully that's something that we can change in the years to come. 
Yeah, you but really make your vote count here. You really make your vote count. So <laughs> any progressives out there, please move here. here that's what God, I was thinking. Please if we could help just us. get like half a boulder to move here, we could turn this state blue. <laughs> Maybe not bold air yeah. so much yeah. as... Actually, I take that back. I don't want to offend people. That's like a lot of people's worst Maybe nightmare. Maybe not bold air yeah. so much as other progressive places. Um, Flagstaff, Seattle, yes, that would San be Francisco. More... That would be Portland. fantastic, yeah, yes. Anyone from the Front Range, please do not move here. I mean, no offense, but... No offense. I live in Boulder, but I, I get it. You know what they say about jolly get... season. <laughs> um, no, we accept all kinds. Yes. For better or worse. <laughs> For better or worse. <laughs> this is definitely one of the most welcoming communities. I feel kind of guilty showing up here though because you know i am just the antithesis of fayetteville new river gorge community because i am from boulder i have this like van you know you a mean nice van. Bold air. <laughs> you know like just trying to like live the dream but whatever <laughs> we really don't care as long no, as you're no cool judging. and you're chill about things it really yeah. doesn't matter like you know, the running joke is you don't live in West Virginia, you live in Fayetteville. Yeah. It's totally different from the rest Very of the state. Different. We live in this yeah. bubble, much like Bold Air, uh-huh. where it's, an, it's like almost an alternate reality. Yeah, but surrounding out of Boulder is becoming a lot like Boulder. I don't know if you've been to like Golden recently. Oh, yeah, Golden absolutely. is like Boulder it's 2.0. Up. Louisville, Netherland, Longmont, Louisville, all those places. Netherland, all those yeah. places. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your clinic today. What were you teaching? <laughs> I was teaching a women's trad climbing clinic mm -hmm. with a crack climbing component. Nice. Yeah, we went over anchors, we went over proper gear placements, we went over some crack climbing technique, we went over other things. Yeah. Was yeah. it a fun class? Do you like teaching? It's always fun. I kind of, that's kind of my, I guess my my jam for clinics. People, That's a clinic people always ask me to do. Mm -hmm. I've probably done that clinic 15, 20 times. Yeah. Do you feel that there's a, a big benefit for it being women's only. I do. I really do. I feel like same-sex clinics are always way more beneficial, especially with women. There's so many stigmas around being a female and doing something out of the norm, out of what's expected. And climbing is something that's just so far, far off to the side. Uh -huh. So not mainstream. Yeah. That I... I a lot of women specifically are really intimidated and then there's this whole stigma around women with boyfriends that climb and how they only climb what their boyfriends tell them to climb and <laughs> I kind of make a point of in clinics of flipping that on its head and just making fun of it doing whatever I can to just blatantly shamelessly make fun of it and be mm -hmm. like Women, ladies, we are not leading leading today because I know none of your boyfriends have cleared you for it in a <laughs> clinic, and I just don't want anybody to get hurt. And and these women, they every clinic, they just crush and exceed expectations, and it's really cool to see. And when the when the lid's taken off and there's no pressure, 
these women, they really bond together and they really, you know, can do so much more than they think they can. And they always walk away from every clinic feeling so much more confident Uh because they're in a totally neutral environment. There's no expectations. There's no pressure. They can do what they need to do and focus on climbing and whatever the task is at hand, placing gear, building anchors, whatever. And they usually just crush it. Uh So it's really cool to watch people, whether you know them or not, just kind of start the clinic and be a little like you know unsure of what they're getting into and then by the end of the day just be so confident in what they're doing and you know you'll see some women in these clinics that start out and you're like mm, yeah I you're, I mean I understand you've followed and tried climbs and you've taken out gear and you understand the basics but and then to see them excel so rapidly is mm-hmm. When they're when when the governor's taken off is it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is. It's kind of cool. cool, and then they walk away with this confidence, like, dude, that was awesome. Like <laughs> placing camps, I'm on that. Placing stoppers, I feel good. I feel really confident. Building anchors, I can go build an anchor right now. I feel great. Like, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and rage now. Absolutely. And I feel like I can do it safely. Mm -hmm. and go out with like each other i know like buddies like absolutely and be the one who's gonna lead absolutely i think that is absolutely really important i know i think for almost anybody you know to have like a situation where you can you know feel okay with admitting what you know and don't know yeah and make mistakes and ask questions and not feel stupid yeah you know yeah and yeah, have that mentorship awesome. where there's no like weird dynamics going on. I can see how that would be really beneficial. Yeah, I hate to play the sexism game because it just, in my eyes, it doesn't matter. But there's a, a bit of machismo that comes mm-hmm. into play, especially with something like climbing. Yeah. Where it is like so upper body specific and... Well, I think a lot of men, too, like, want to be more competitive with each other, even mm-hmm. their own friends, where a lot of women like to be more supportive of each other. Absolutely. And, and I, that really I don't shines. think it's obviously not, like, across the board, but a majority, like, men do love to be super competitive, like, in your face, very vocal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I format the clinic, so it's really group-oriented. And everybody's learning from each other. I force mm-hmm. everyone to learn something from each other, whether it's good, whether it's bad, the like the good, the bad, the ugly shows. Like, I just tell people straight up, you know, if the gear's good, I'll tell you it's good. If it's total dog shit, the gear's total dog shit. Yeah. And I'll tell you what's wrong with it, and we'll all analyze it together as a group. No names are going to ever be called out. We're not going to point fingers and say, hey, your gear sucked or your gear is fantastic. It's all a group thing. Like, yeah, this gear, it was the right piece. It could have been placed a little bit better. This is how it could have been. Mm -hmm. Or this piece was fantastic. There's no way you could have made this better. It was textbook. Or, wow, what if you did this trick? What if you did that? You know, it's an open discussion always in every clinic. Do you do any guiding outside of the I clinics? used to. Okay. I used to. When I first lived here, I did some guiding. I did some single pitch guiding. I've done some multi-pitch guiding. 
Ever think you'll go back to it? Absolutely not. <laughs> not my bag. Okay. It's not for everybody. Thank you for being honest. <laughs> <laughs> not my thing. <laughs> so you're taking off soon. Where are you heading to? Is it a climbing trip, personal trip? Well, I work for Petzl. So several times a year I have to go to Salt Lake City to the offices and hang okay. out and see and be seen and do my due diligence and yeah. do meetings there with the big wigs and you know, play that game. And you're setting up events and trips setting and up photo opportunities and, uh, all with the, the photographers. Above. Yeah. And it's interesting because I ride the line between, you know, being a regional sales rep and being a regional athlete for Petzl and being an athlete for other companies. So mm-hmm. it's a, kind of a mixed bag. So that keeps me traveling a lot, which is which is fine. I, I'm, I'm into it because I get to go climbing at a lot of different places all the time. Yeah. And, you know, it's usually work, but I get to cluster climbing in with that, so it's it's not bad. What other sponsors do you work with? Let's get them I all I do in a there. lot of work with outdoor research. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And um, so let's finish this off. This is kind of a random question, but I thought I'd ask it. Who are your three favorite people? They don't have to be climbers. It can be anybody. My three favorite people? Yeah. Celebrities, climbers, best friends. Oh. Wow. That's (laughs) such a deep question. Just off the top of your head, you I mean it could change at any moment, but Oh wow, that's just such a loaded question. Wow. I don't know. (laughs) I mean what do you order on top of your pizza? What's your favorite pizza? Thank things? you. That's a much <laughs> fairer question. Um, I will say at Miguel's Pizza, uh-huh. I like to order broccoli, Whoa. corn, black beans, peppers, onions. <laughs> That sounds like a delicious pizza. Avocado. Yummy. Do you put hot sauce on top of all this by any chance? I don't. No, okay. I'm not really hot sauce. I'm a hot sauce, sauce person. No, I'm not sorry. really that deep in the hot sauce. Yeah, it's, it's not okay. really my bag. It's okay. I mean, I, for burritos, absolutely. Yeah. And some other items. Yep. Hot sauce on pizza is not really something I gravitate towards. Okay. Um, I can't, I've, st- I've been dabbling in hot sauce. <laughs> Well, Jessa, thank you so much for coming. We should probably get back to the festivities here over yes. the Craig and Classic. That, thank you so much. That I really appreciate That PBR is not going to drink itself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yep. All right. That was a fun conversation with Jessa Goebel. Just a huge ball of energy and a ton of fun. And up next, we have Pat Goodman. Pat doesn't do a lot of interviews. He's not one to soak in the limelight, if you know what I mean. So it felt like a real special opportunity to speak with Pat, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. Here it is. What were you doing this morning? Um, went and talked to a customer <laughs> about some hardwood floors. Nice. How long have you been doing the hardwood? Huh. <laughs> how long have you been doing the hardwood floors for? Oh man, I've been doing it for twenty some odd years now. In between, yeah, I grew up doing. Well, I got out of high school and was, helped a friend do carpet and naturally kind of you know evolved into the the finer side of flooring uh-huh have you always been into working with your hands yeah and like building stuff Yeah, for sure 
Like what type of stuff were you building when you were little? Oh man, so I I was in shop class, like even when they offered it in elementary school. Uh huh. And you know, just building stuff for your parents. I don't know, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff like napkin holders, and, yeah. um, Jewel- jewelry cases. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Jewelry box. <laughs> I actually still have one of the jewelry boxes I made back in the day. It's kind of funny. You look at it and I'm like, it's still holding up. It's not. <laughs> it's not the most perfect thing I've ever seen, but. You know, I was in sixth grade. So. Yeah. <laughs> and do you still find the flooring job is like fulfilling? Oh, you yeah. You get a sense of fulfillment at the end of a job? Big time. Yeah. Especially like on the custom stuff. And the more I've evolved as, you know, um, getting older and a little more environmentally conscious, you know, using reclaimed products and stuff like that has, uh-huh. been, has been a big joy. So sure. I have to ask you, um, somebody told me that the misty mountain logo have you ever seen the one with the climber there's two of them there's Mm. like a side view Mm -hmm. and then there's one like kind of from above as he's like holding yeah yeah as he's like holding the misty logo yeah is that you no i you know i think it's jim horton i know jim designed it okay and knowing jim it's jim okay (laughs) yeah no that was before my time oh okay over there but that, that was that logo i know was made by horton and you know, I think it's even. I'm pretty sure it's it's Jim on Bumboy, okay, or one of you know well, maybe the top out of Millipede, okay, at Horse Pens. Yeah, nice. Well, that's good to get a clarification of that because I actually asked Goose, who owns the company and now, he, he and he had know. no idea. He's yeah, like, I don't sure. know who that is. Yeah, no, it was. It's got the spiked hair, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You could ask Horton. Okay. But I'm, I think that I heard back in the day that was him because everybody's giving him shit. You know? yeah, I was like, oh, of like, course. He uses himself as a model. Yes. Yeah. The artist and the model. Yeah, I don't know if you've, you've met ever, you've, you know Jim, right? I've met him once at one of the Triple Crowns uh-huh. and was like helping him set up uh-huh. for that. Yeah. But I don't know him super well. Yeah, yeah. Do you go pretty far back with him? I mean, I've known him for a long time. I wouldn't say we're great friends. We were at one point like uh-huh. climbing partners for a while, but yeah, he's a little narcissistic. But you know, in a... <laughs> In a playful way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's funny. He gives credit to where credit is due, but he certainly thinks he's, you know, God's gift to certain areas <laughs> in the high country there. So where are you from originally? You're from New Mexico? Yeah, somewhere? so I grew up in Farmington, New Mexico. Okay. I lived there through my um, elementary and high school years. What part of the state is that? So that's in the northwestern corner of the okay. state. So real close to the four corners. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I was a stone's throw from the Navajo Indian Reservation border there. Okay, cool. Yeah. And did you grow up rock climbing? I did not. I started, you know, I was a skateboarder, you know, like so many people uh-huh. um, in their younger years. And when I was 12, I had a skate ramp in my front yard, which was really just a lawn ramp that would throw us, you know, five to eight feet uh-huh. in the air into my, you know, into a pool, yeah. like, a, you know, like one of those little blow up pools or just yeah. into the grass or something like that. Uh-huh. And, uh, there was a new neighbor that I had seen him riding around on a skateboard occasionally. And one day he was skating by and, you know, had some rock climbing shoes and started talking to us about climbing. And so that's kind of how I got into, into climbing. And at did such he take you? Age. Yeah. Well, so he was in high school at the time. I think he was, uh, so I was 12, so he must have been a sophomore in uh-huh. high school, and he was writing a paper on rappelling. Okay. And so he just needed someone to go out and take photos of, actually. So, you know, you could say that I started, you know, my rock climbing You're career a as a sport repeller? As a sport repeller. <laughs> and, and to make it even more funny was uh, I was terrified. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't even get me to go rappel over the edge. <laughs> so he had to, we had to rig it up to where I could come. I traversed in from the side and started rappelling after the edge. <laughs> so I was horrified. Yeah. There was no way he was going to get me to go over the edge of that cliff. 
And how did you feel at the end of that day? Were you like, I'm never I, doing my this mind again? Was blown. No, I was very intrigued. Like uh, all the gear, you know, I was immediately drawn to the climbing equipment. I, you know, I just, I wanted a harness and climbing shoes. Yeah. And more so than I even understood of climbing at that point. That's I just how I was. Stuff. I just wanted the gear. Yeah. And so that was, that was kind of the hook. Uh-huh. I think was the, the gear and the ropes. And uh, yeah, it was just so foreign, the whole uh-huh. concept of, you know, climbing and rappelling. So it was the adventure, I guess, attracted me immediately. And did you keep going climbing with that? I did. Guy? Yeah, I climbed with that guy a lot. Okay. And his name was Matt Cowan. And yeah, I mean, he, he really, you know, my parents would say he saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> Kept you out of the skate world? He just kind of gave me direction you know, uh-huh. or, or helped me find, you know, something to be passionate about sure more than like skateboarding because you know skateboarding that at that point was you could have even called it pedestrian even you know it was so many people did it it was Mm -hmm. you know well known all over the united states you know it it was uh it was a scene yeah if you were a skater you fit a certain mold of person you know and then there was rock climbing it was like no one climbed sure you know there was it was so foreign to everybody in my school and you know as i got into high school i started getting i was you know very light and you know as i got familiar with you know the the techniques and all the equipment and stuff i was pretty good at it Uh uh-huh and so you know i would i'd get to take the the pretty pretty ladies out and go rappelling yeah um, take the you know the strong wrestling kids out and the football kids out and just beat them down and go you know go top roping at x rock and durango or something like that so it gave me yeah it definitely gave me uh you know a sense of of place you know uh, you know otherwise i wouldn't have been as noticeable you know not that i was trying to be the popular kid but i really enjoyed like the you know just that you know atypical kind of you know sense that people would get they're like oh that kid he's like kind of you know he used to skate but now he's out there like climbing rocks and we don't get it but we went out with him and it looks so easy and it's not easy and he's really good at it and so there was just kind of this admiration i was getting from my peers that uh-huh. i don't think that i would have gotten otherwise and um you know and, and oddly enough because it's not really i don't i'm not a big fan of you know, um, people, you know, attention and stuff like that. Yeah. But I did enjoy, I enjoyed that angle when I was going through school, uh-huh. high school and, and junior high school. It was, um, and you know, it did, it kept me out of trouble. Was it one of the first things that you found, like you were really good at absolutely. off the bat? Yeah. I mean, at skate skating, I wasn't any better than anybody, anybody else. else. And it was really frustrating. Uh huh. Um, and you know, I ran track and field and, and pole vaulted and played soccer. And okay. I managed to get on a select team in high school. For soccer? For soccer. Yeah, me and, too. And that was about the time I was really more interested in, in rock climbing and mountain biking even. And uh, so I just quit. I just left practice one day and never went back. What like, position did you play? Were you a midfielder? Yeah, I was. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. all the running, so I see yeah, a yeah. midfielder. Yeah, I mean, I usually, they'd put me shadowing somebody or, yeah. you know, just like ball control. Like, I was, I, I couldn't, I wasn't really good at scoring, but, you know, I could, you know, I did pretty good. Yeah. You know, but eh, wasn't my thing. It's funny how you talk about how, like, skateboarding was really big and nobody knew really much about rock climbing. Yeah. And now it seems like rock climbing's the new skateboarding. Certainly, like, absolutely. I'm sure teens growing up, it's like... Yeah, climbing's the cool thing to do, yeah. and everybody does it. I think so. Yeah, especially with the climbing gyms. You know, where, especially where I grew up, there was no climbing gyms at all. Uh-huh. You know, I didn't climb in a gym for. I mean, I was you know living in Fort Collins before I really spent any time in a climbing gym. Uh huh. So you know, ten years after I started climbing, or maybe a little more than that. But so, who are some of your um, influences growing up during your like kind of teenage coming of age years? So for climbing related, you know, obviously Matt Cowan. Um, okay fellow who yeah. introduced me and then you know he matt 
you know, had a subscription to Climbing Magazine and had a, a number of books, Rocks Around the World, Stefan Glavak's book. Okay. Um, really stood I've out to me. I've never seen that, yeah. It's an incredible book. And it's, a, you know, mostly a coffee table picture book. And it just shows some of the most incredible scenery I'd ever seen. So mm-hmm. to me, that opened up a different world of climbing. I was like, wow, this is, you know, I had such a small bubble of climbing around um, Farmington. There's some decent, you know, cliffs and stuff like and that. And were you doing mostly sport climbing or no, trad climbing? All trad climbing. All trad. Yeah. Like, and that was just because By of choice, it's just where it was, was just where available. I was. It was what yeah. was available. Yeah. And, you know, oddly enough, a lot of the areas where I grew up were, we were doing new routes. So we were going out, you know, I was a little kid doing first ascents. Were you cleaning them up cleaning, first? Yeah, putting in top rope anchors. Just, you know, I just that was climbing. That was wow. just like we had to go. I mean, it wasn't like there was anybody doing that before <laughs> us. So we would go out and do new routes. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, the first, you know, I, I climbed for a few years before I started getting into lead climbing. And uh, yeah, so we would just go out and I was putting first ascents up, you know, and, you know. And what type of equipment were you using? Standard gear. Standard, yeah. yeah. You know, at the Healthy time it was like and... Chenard. No, no, the drills and stuff were like. I mean, little Makita, you know, not mm-hmm. even rotary hammer drills. That's how oh, soft wow. the rock is around New Mexico, okay. you know, northern New Mexico, where I grew up. There was, you know, a hand, some we had. I had hand drill that I had made. I'd seen a photo of one um, somewhere, and so I just like, <laughs> I think I duct taped a, a handle, like a, a bike grip, modified from a piece of wood or something like that, to a, a drill bit. <laughs> and um, you know, and as I got in, you know, the high school years and stuff, there were some other guys that started climbing. And, uh, you know, we, we traded ideas on equipment and, you know, split duties of putting roots up and it was pretty fun. I had a good, you know, group of, of friends in high school, you know, uh-huh. three or four guys that we'd go out and climb with quite a bit. Were you traveling much at the at time, time? No. So the first big trip I'd went on was in 90, summer of 95. I had just graduated high school and I went to, um, El Dorado Canyon for the first time. I went to Devil's uh-huh. Tower. We climbed Devil's Sweet. Tower. Uh, where else? Um, we went to Vitavu. I'd never been to Vitavu. And so it, that opened my eyes. And ultimately why I ended up moving to Fort Collins was because of Vitavu. Okay. Um, you really like the I, pain I just, of rock climbing? I was blown away <laughs> by the area. Completely just mind blown. The color of the rock, the, you know, the techniques involved. Um, I liked that there really wasn't there that many people there. Like Eldo was kind of crowded for me. Yeah. Um, and the and roots like didn't when, seem accessible. What year is this? Around? So this is all like 95, 96. Okay. Um, and it's still busy. Yeah. It, I can't, it's like really busy now. But Oh, time, I know. Now it's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it was busy back then. It okay. was like a combination of tourists and, you know, granted, we weren't getting, you know, we didn't get back into the backcountry of Eldo or anything like mm-hmm. that. We were just doing what everybody does, the back sure. track and, totally. you know, the standard. All the stuff by the road. Yeah, exactly. But Vidavu, yeah, I mean, I know you've been there. and Anybody yeah, that's yeah, been yeah. there can, you know, attest to its, you know, magnificence. So. It's absolutely unbelievable, though it is painful. I feel like at Vidavu, you only get like two good days of, in a row of climbing yeah, and then you're just sore and bloody for a while until right. you can recoup. And, you know, and the thing that... <laughs> You know, it just comes down to your technique. You know, if you're sliding around out of hand jams, yeah, you're going to blow your hands out. But, you know, as you get better and stronger, you yeah. s- you stop squirming around as much. Like, <laughs> yeah. Totally. But you definitely, like, the biggest thing for me was, like, elbows and shoulders. I would mm-hmm. blow those out pretty quick. Okay. Like, trying anything hard, you're kind of, those elbows go pretty fast in Vitavu. And I who think. were the hard men in Vitavu at the time? So, you know, um, I went back with my friend Seth, who was my main climbing partner in high school. And we went back in 96 who I ended up moving to Fort Collins with, but, and we, uh, spent 
a month and a half in Vitavu, camped out. And Brad Jackson took note because I had, I guess he was walking by when I was doing the last uh, pitch of Friday the 13th. It's an 11 plus crack climb there on the Nautilus. And um, I think I fell a couple times on the roof or something. I don't remember. I know I didn't send it first try, but he came around and hooted and hollered up there. And we, we came down and he actually came back over and was, you know, just impressed. There was a couple kids up there. He's like, no one climbs that. And especially a couple yeah. little kids. And so we got to talking to Brad and we ended up staying at his house. And, um, so he was a huge influence. He introduced me to Bob Scarpelli, oh, cool. and Craig Lubin, yep. um, Topher Donahue, yep. you know, that, that whole crew. And you know, I didn't climb with Topher very much at all. And I climbed with, climbed with Craig very little bit, but I climbed with Bob and Brad a lot. Mm-hmm. And they definitely taught me how to not whine and, you know, how to just get, <laughs> get it done. And, you know, fortunately for me, I had kind of big hands, yeah. so I could follow these guys around cool. and not, you know, not suffer that much. <laughs> so with rock climbing, you know, what really attracted you to it? Was it going to beautiful places in nature? Yeah. Was it kind of like testing yourself against the rock? Yeah, you know, in, in especially in my early years, I, I think that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it was just so, you know, atypical, so so few people were interested in. I, I think I enjoyed the adventure of um, finding new things. The beauty of areas certainly is a huge draw. Like summits have always been one of my, you know, one of the biggest draws for me in climbing is to be uh-huh. on top of things and you know okay. get a 360 degree view of your environment mm-hmm. from kind of a higher standpoint than you would, you know, otherwise. You know, the scene and that has never really been one of my focus of climbing. I've always enjoyed meeting new people. Yeah. Um, especially as I've traveled, you know, abroad. Um, that has definitely been a big impact and, you know, um, a big goal of mine anymore is to like not climb as much when I'm, you know, going to these foreign places and to like get out and explore a little more, mm-hmm. um, outside of the climbing outside of the mountains and just meet people and get a little more of a cultural experience. Um, but certainly in the, in the, my early years, I was definitely attracted to the, the atmosphere of being outside. Okay. Yeah. And kind of being on your own, you know and making your own call and you, you put yourself in situations that you've got to find a way out of and mm-hmm. like at the time I didn't recognize it as that I wouldn't have been able to answer that question I would, I would just tell you I, I think I like rock climbing because yeah. <laughs> it's fun yeah you know? totally yeah um did you have climbing heroes that you feel like you've maybe have emulated a little bit you know I, you know like a Stefan Glavox definitely I, I didn't really know at the time who he was or what he uh-huh. meant to climbing but you know, it turns out he's the total hero. And, you know, Peter Croft. Sure. Largely because of, I, I just remember a climbing magazine cover of him on The Shadow. I don't know if you remember it. It's I don't. And, yeah. I mean, I couldn't, in early 90s, maybe that that magazine came out. I don't know. Okay. Um, I can't remember. But that just struck me. It was such uh-huh. a beautiful feature and seemed just so unclimbable to me. I'm just looking at this cover like, wow, there's there's a real, there's a man right there. Sure. And it turns out that he's definitely a man. Yeah. <laughs> he's a real rock climber. You know, not that you have to be a man to be a real rock climber, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, he does, you know, obviously with all the free soloing he's hmm. done, you've done quite a bit of dangerous routes yeah. as well. Yeah. Have, did you ever have a chance to meet him or I, climb with him? I have never climbed with him. I've met him a couple of times at some climbing events mm-hmm. and short conversations. You know, it was yeah. never like, oh my God, you're Peter Croft. <laughs> uh, you know, matter of fact, I didn't really even feel, you know, when I met him, I was just kind of like, oh, he's a normal guy, you know. Look at yeah, him. that's how I usually feel when I meet pro climbers. You see them in videos, they seem larger than life and yep. in photos and stuff. And then you meet them, and they're just normal yeah, people. Yeah, they're just people. Yeah. Totally. So you've authored quite a bit 
of climbing routes around the country. Yep. Do you feel like you've gravitated towards it because of the first ascents you did when you were younger or is there, you know, is it beyond that? I, I think that some of it is just happenstance. I just happen to be in the right place at the right time. You know, a lot of the development I've done is just because those routes were unclimbed and they were, you know, you they were attractive. The, yeah. Uh, Cause there's some people that just love, putting up first descent. Well, I certainly am like a little hogging, you know. I, yeah. I definitely want to do new routes over repeating routes. I'm not necessarily a repeat offender, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I enjoy pretty um, – more and more, it's just a static prettiness of lines, and, and movement definitely has a big thing to do about it. But, yeah. I, I don't I, assume it's to get your name in the guidebook. Certainly not. <laughs> no, around here, though, I think that I will go out and I'll do a squeeze job new route at central endless just to mess mikey's layout up in his guidebook so there is a little bit of that going on here at the new um but otherwise no i'm just attracted to to you know to the terrain mostly because you know it's it's i guess it's unclimbed and that's that's a draw for sure Uh do you have like a most memorable first descent or one that really kind of has meant the most to you yeah i mean there's there's a lot right Uh there's I remember a, a, a lot of them. Um, my early years, I don't remember any of them really sticking out. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly some around Boone. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got some I'm very proud of, like Ishmael. So I was just going to bring that yeah. up because my buddy Sam Dosboy I know, Sam. repeated that. Yep. And him just telling me about it just made my hands sweat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it, you can probably give me a better description well i'm sure he gave you a great description yeah. um, he you know sam I th- i'm pretty sure he got the fourth ascent there's not people lining up to send that thing and uh man it's just a absolutely stunning route i know you've seen it it's, it overhangs the highway mm-hmm. there and you know i had just moved to the area i'd been bouldering a lot and you know finding new boulders and putting boulder problems up and had you know kind of quit route climbing when i first moved to boone i was just there to boulder up on grandmother mountain yeah grandmother and 221 and exploring all over really and you know once we started getting to the point where i had done most of the boulder problems that i could do um and found what i thought you know were some of the best of the area uh, you know next logical thing was to gravitate to those bigger boulders you Mm -hmm. know like ishmael's like what 65 70 foot tall boulder really is what it is so and that goes at like 13 plus. It's yeah, I mean, it's probably like RX. It's it's a tough one to grade. For me, you know, it was probably on lead. The first time I did it felt I had 13C or something. Mm-hmm. And I think most people have done it, thought it was about that grade. So maybe someone, you know, with different beta would think it was a little harder. Or someone who's taller thinks it's easier. I don't know. It's, yeah. you know, it's 513. Yeah. And it's got a little X down low. Uh, you definitely want to be in a headspace of solo and 512 sure. to get on that route. Um, <laughs> yeah. And how do you prepare for something like I that? Think, I think that for me to prepare for that, it wasn't even like I was going out to get strong, to, to you know, mentally to do it. Fortunately, I was mentally already strong enough. I just needed to convince myself that I wouldn't, you know, that I wouldn't fall off. Uh-huh. And it really didn't take that long. Once I knew I was strong enough to do the crux, I just, you know, I just went at it and I took a couple big falls at the top uh-huh. on it. And, you know, one of the guys, Anthony Love was out there with me that day who at Kogi Reed was belaying me and there was some guys shooting some video. And yeah, the video actually, when I fell at the top, it's pretty funny. The video, the guy just turns the video camera off and yeah, totally like, the video camera just goes, yeah. everybody was like, oh no, he fell. I don't want to catch this. On but tape. it was totally chill. You know, yeah. I knew the gear was good. I 
kind of figured I was going to fall off of it a couple times just, you know, just because it was hard for me. Was, Do you get off on the danger aspect? No, not really. Bit? Like, not so much, man. I'm not really a big fan of that. I don't yeah. like being scared and I'm not a big fan of falling. I would say I've never climbed Ishmael and I was scared. I was, you know, nervous as you are at anything before uh-huh. you're going to, you know, send a project. You always have that, that air of nervousness. You know, you're just kind of like, oh, I don't want to mess this up. And it wasn't because, oh, I don't want to break my legs. It's kind of, you know, I, I guess that's just given on any climb. You know, I've been on sport climbs where you're at the third clip and you're pulling rope up. And if you were to slip, you'd fall and break your legs. Yeah. So you're really in danger a lot when you go rock climbing. So I think that I've always just accepted that on every rock climb I get on. Uh-huh. I'm just like, oh, I could really get messed up on this. Yeah. You know, obviously when there's less gear or no, no rope, you know, it's that, that, uh, um, risk management is, you know, a little more intense and spread out through a, a longer period of time, mm-hmm. you know, versus that, you know, little instance there where you may drop the rope and miss a clip and fall and hit the ground. Or if you're, you know, on an RX route or whatever like that, and you're 20 feet above your piece of gear before you get to the next piece of gear and you may hit, hit the ground. You know, I, I, I think, I, yeah, I kind of just think of it all the same, really. Rock yeah. climbing is dangerous. Okay. And, yeah. So is driving down the road, you know, sure. so is a lot of things, you know, life, is dangerous. Uh huh. So, and we're all gonna die. At we're some all point. gonna die. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've not. I don't climb as much as I used to because I think that. I think I kind of wore myself out a little bit. You know, mentally, it's just like, I I don't enjoy going out and being stressed as mm-hmm. much. You know, like I can't handle it as like I used to be able to. Can you enjoy doing moderates and doing you know stuff that's well below your limit oh man well some the awesome thing about it that. now is like i don't climb that much anymore so the moderates are like at my limit <laughs> <laughs> so i'm getting to enjoy these roots again in you know with a kind of a different body than i had when i first climbed sure them. and that doesn't frustrate you no not really yeah you know, i mean what well, it's it's not it's like just I'm, rock climbing. It, yeah it's you're just not saving climbing. lives no and i'm not like i know i'm not super fit i haven't been uh-huh. training so what do i expect i'm not going to go out yeah. and just like on site 513 anymore it's not going to happen yeah and well, you know for me to get frustrated about that is it would be stupid <laughs> <laughs> yeah well speaking of uh danger i also heard another story from uh another friend cam who told me about a time you went and soloed scenic cruise over at the black and you were looking to get some beta maybe from the ranger station or something. And they got all nervous because they, once they found out you were going to go solo, yeah. the, the wall, they were like preparing for a rescue and stuff. And yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't confirm that because I'm not sure. I don't even remember really talking to a ranger. I think that I, I checked in, obviously you have to check in and uh-huh. I'd never climbed in the black and um, I was there visiting my sister. She lives in Montrose. And I guess this was in, September of 2010 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe mid-September. And I'd always wanted to go in there and climb that route. And I had spent a lot of time that summer soloing. And honestly, the scenic cruise was on my list. Like I had a short list of routes I wanted to on-site free solo. And that one, given its history, um, was on the list. Just and that's like a 510. It's a 10 plus. It's a, 10 plus. it's a rowdy rock climb, man. Sure. And Everything in the black is. Yes, yes. And yeah, I went down there. You know, I went into the ranger station. I don't remember that much about it. I put my name on the board. And I think I vaguely remember somebody asking me who I was climbing with. And I just <laughs> told them that I, I was with my buddy Hans, you know. And, you know, Hans Solo. I, <laughs> I said that a lot. Um, not Hans Flooring. Not Hans Flooring. <laughs> no. And so I don't know if they made, you know, any... If they, I don't know if I doubt that it went to that level. I think that yeah. they, if they were worried, they probably would have not let me go down in there. Sure. And do it. But I, I kind of snuck in and snuck out, I think. Yeah. I and mean, it, did you have a habit of on site 
free soloing I, at that time? Yes, yeah. It was, I, it was, <laughs> yeah. I called it my demon. It was a bad habit. And I would go out to the crag with people and just disappear for a few hours and uh-huh. run around the corner and just solo a bunch of stuff. And sometimes sure. it was, you know, easy terrain. And sometimes I would climb up into a spot and be like, oh, crap, I should probably not be up here and down climb or, you know, try and move a couple times and then, you know, squeak my way through it. And you're just wow. kind of like, oh, man, that's, you know, like kind of pushing it a little bit. A little bit. You know, at the time yeah. I didn't really think that much about it but you know conversations with my um, girlfriend at the time she was definitely like all right i think that you 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 need to kill this habit because you're you're starting to do stuff that's you know like kind Mm -hmm. of a big deal and the the black canyon you know i honestly i didn't even i never thought about it you know a lot of people were like wow raising eyebrows like dude that's pretty pretty bold a lot of my climbing partners were saying that i was you know these guys know me pretty well and they're like yeah wow, i'm glad you're still with us you know for sure like, ah, it didn't seem like a big deal and then really this this spring i went back and climbed the scenic cruise and i hadn't been back to the black since uh-huh and man it was a really big deal <laughs> <laughs> i i was really surprised and like you know like i said earlier i'm a different body than i was yeah. back then certainly mind and I was a little, uh, it made me nervous. Uh-huh. I was like, wow, I came up here without a rope and had no idea what this route was and and don't even remember that much about I remember it being a little, like, uh, you know, a little slick and mm-hmm. quite a bit harder than the grade would imply. Sure. And that, you know, that was about it. I just remember kind of walking away from that and, and feeling relieved that it was, you know, done, but like satisfied, very satisfied with the climbing day and that was it. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, that was, that was all the thought I put into it. And I went back and hung out with my sister for a few days and never talked to her about it. She had no idea. She thought I was just going out hiking. So thank God nothing happened. Yeah. Um, but after climbing it this spring, I definitely, you know, a different bit of respect or I went, I don't even have called that for my younger climbing self. You know, it was a little, mm-hmm. it was a little reckless. I think I was starting <laughs> to get a little reckless. Yeah. Um, taking advantage of my fitness and which can be helpful to Certainly. a certain point. Absolutely. You know, I pulled it off and yeah. and I don't think that was, I don't think, I mean, I was never in a point where I was going to fall off. You know, if yeah. I would have broke a hold maybe, uh, but I, I, I hiked it. But it know? wasn't difficult staying on route or anything. Everything was pretty straightforward. Pretty That's straightforward. I got a little, I was a little wandery at the top. I think that I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't go the exact same way. The last few pitches um, that we did with a rope. Yeah. I think that I kind of climbed a little more directly up um, off some of those ledges uh, and didn't traverse as far as you would with a rope or, as, you know, yeah. but I followed the topo pretty well. Um, there was a good bit of chalk on it yeah. at the time. And yeah, it just, it, in the route is, it's pretty obvious, I think, okay. as you're climbing. You've held a number of FKTs over the years. Fastest known times. Yeah. Um, and have speed records and stuff like the Linville link up. Is that one? Maybe. You know, it's hard to say who's got the, the record on that. I certainly do solo. Um, yeah. I don't even think anybody's really done the what I've done. Um, and most people go in there with a climbing partner. And it's certainly, I think it makes it harder because you've got to carry a rope. And it's a little sure. slower. Uh, how many miles is that? Well, it depends on how you do it. A lot of people, you know, go one direction. Okay. Um, and I, I can't even tell you how many miles that is. 15, Something 18 like that. miles. Kind of depends on what what you do, what kind of features sure. and how many times you drop in and out of the gorge and, and how many climbs are you doing? So I would go in there and I would usually, you know, the, the times I would go in and just have fun at it, I would just park it, um, Hawks, uh, yeah, Hawksbill and just climb Hawksbill, go up there and solo a few routes and then run down the top of Hawksbill. I kind of had like this little, 
rogue rabbit trail that I had made that just goes from the summit all the way down mm-hmm. and then meets up with some of the park trails that take you up over to Table Rock. And, you know, then you're on the Mountain Seas Trail and you can just go all the way down above the amphitheater and all the way down to um, Short Off and stuff. But I think my big day in there was like 30 some odd miles and, you know, 30, 32 pitches. Wow. I, I had some 511s I could solo. And um, yeah, I think that was like an 11 hour day and it was a crusher. It definitely messed my legs up uh-huh. properly on that one. And, you know, that, that that would take somebody a lot of effort. You know, I've been climbing in there for years. And for someone to repeat that would be, you know, maybe a little foolish. I think soloing in the gorges, some of those routes that I was soloing are, like, definitely notorious for loose rock. And, uh-huh. you know, I had variations around some of the looseness on some of those routes. But, yeah, so that one, it's hard to say. You know, the times I've climbed it with a partner, I don't think we, we didn't smash any times or mm-hmm. anything like that. We were doing them pretty quick. A lot of simul climbing. Do you like the running aspect? Because you mentioned that you ran track when you were younger you know, and I, stuff. You know, I, I used to like it. I'm, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with running. I'm not, like, built like, you know, a good mm-hmm. distance runner. I didn't really enjoy the fitness. I'm a big fan of, like, getting fit and feeling good. You know, having wheels for legs and stuff feels yeah. awesome when you're ripping it through the woods. Um, but I, you know, I don't, especially anymore is like, I don't go out and just go running for fun that much anymore. Uh huh. So you recently, you took a trip to back to Lotus flower yep. over in Cirque of the Unclimbables and you had done it like 18 years previously. Yep. Yeah. What was it like going back? Wow. Going... Similar to the black? <laughs> no, no, totally different actually. <laughs> yeah. So let's see in 2000, I went there with John Sherman mm-hmm. and my friend, Justin Carlton. It was awesome, you know. We did we, you know John before? Uh, yeah, I have known John for a long time. He's a know. character, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think I started climbing with John when I was still in high school. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I actually owe a lot to the, to John for you know I I wouldn't be into photography like I am right now without uh-huh. him. But um, back to the Lotus Flower Tower. Yeah, you know I don't remember that much about it. We took our time. We bivied on the ledge and you know did a two day all free ascent. And I just remember it being kind of mind-blowing. I had been in the area before. The year prior, I went into the Vampire Peaks and put a couple new routes up on the Vampire Spire with Nan Darkus and Brad Jackson. Okay. So I had been to the area, and, you know, honestly, that area has been, you know, kind of like this beacon of, like, get out, you know, lose yourself in the mountains ever Mm -hmm. since. You know, I go out there and climb as much as I can. The last couple years I've been up there, you know, every summer, and I've spent a lot of time up there. And you really can lose yourself, right? I yeah. mean, it's a pretty yeah. decent hike to get it back there. Well, it's a, you know, it can be a big hike or an expensive helicopter ride. Okay. Um, it's just such an, you know, it's virgin earth. There's not too many places, you know, it's very accessible for us here. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to take a, you don't have to get on a plane and, you know, fly across the, the ocean or anything like that. You can drive up there, you know, it takes a little bit of time, but it's very accessible mm-hmm. and it's very remote. So that's always been a very appealing, but yeah, the, the climb itself, I didn't remember that much about it. I remembered it being, you know, very fun. And I remember the summit being, you know, exceptionally beautiful. And so to come back to it, the reason why I was up there was actually to, to do rigging for a film crew uh-huh. who was filming two adaptive climbers, um, Maureen Beck and Jim Ewing Okay. Um, for their, you know, attempt at the, you know, unsupported first adaptive ascent of the LFT. And so, I, you know, I signed up for that. I didn't think I was actually going to be climbing that much. We we had budget to get a helicopter, and the idea was I was going to get dropped off on the summit and basically fix, you know, 2,000 feet of fixed line. And wow. that was kind of my job, you know, and I'd be up there as support. And it ended up the park didn't give us our, you know, the, the green light to land 
on the summit until we were already gone until we had already been in the, <laughs> that's helpful. yeah yeah i mean it was like an hour after we left the, the fly-in fishing lodge there they gave us the green light yeah so it was kind of silly how that worked out but so we had all this rope that we had helicoptered in there and so i just started you know banging away at the pitches and fixing line um trying to get ahead of the climbers and uh-huh. as it turned out we ended up just kind of climbing as two teams of two me and the film guy and then jim and mo okay and so we bivvied up there it was fun it was awesome it was really fun to go back and lead all the pitches and you know with totally a kind of i'm such a better rock climber than i was in 2000 but i'm way weaker yeah um so it was interesting seeing the difference in myself i think more than than revisiting the route i think it was more of an eye-opener to to just feel such a difference in my climbing abilities and then be pretty weak but still be able to pull it off and have a good time and yeah, it was the same. It was so fun. Yeah. It was this beautiful head wall on that thing. It's really got to be one of the best rock climbs. Well, that's what, you know, I've read it is one of the best rock yeah. climbs in the world. Have you been on anything of that style that even compares? Yeah, you know, I have. A, a, a lot of reads kind of stand out. You know, I could get into a list, I guess, but every, you know, every big area has its, you know, has its standout routes. Mm-hmm. You know, like the valley has its standout routes. Sure. And, you know, Places I've been in, in you know, the, the Karakorum, there's some rock climbs that we've done that really were just as fun. But I think the thing about the Lotus Flower Tower is like, well, it's hyped up, right? Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of people that want to do that. So that kind of adds to it. You know, you actually get a kind of a trophy, you know, it's like, oh, I've done the LFT. Mm-hmm. You know, there's air, there's routes out there that are just as good. Matter of fact, I, I put a route up years ago with uh, Jeff Hockey and Jeremy Collins and James Q. Martin in the Vampire Peaks on this feature called The Phoenix. And I think it's as good. And it climbs a very similar feature. You like have this very broad base of this tower you're climbing and then it just slowly gets narrower and narrower at the top and you're just climbing this big pillar up to the summit. And it's very similar as the LFT. And I think that's what makes it so, you know, incredible. It's like you get up there and it's like you can see from edge to edge on this pillar you're on Mm -hmm. and you're kind of climbing like right on the edge of this ret for a while up there and the exposure is intense and the climbing's not that hard. It's five ten, So it's very accessible for anybody to go up there and get really high on this thing. And, um, you know, bolted belays. It's, it's you know, about as pedestrian as you can get for alpine climbing. That's cool. Yeah. And I think all that adds to, you know, the, the classic value of that route. So I've noticed that you actually have been climbing with James Q. Martin and Jeremy Collins yeah. a number of times. Yep. Have they been friends for a long time? Or Yeah, um, they've been friends for a while. I, I, I couldn't even tell you when. I've you know I, Jeremy introduced me to Q um, for, for his The Drawn Project. Okay. Um, and I've known Jeremy as a climber. I, I think I met him at one of the New River Rendezvous. I couldn't tell you. I, 2005 yeah. or 2006. Sure. And, you know, I think we went out and cragged a little bit and we're always, you knew we were a very similar type of climber mm-hmm. um, and we get along very well. And so we always like, oh man, we need to get out and do something. And then I was on a slideshow tour in the Midwest and happened to do one in Kansas City. And we went to dinner afterwards and he was telling me about this drawn project and he was asking, a, you know, telling me the whole scope of Northwest, East, South, um, wanting to do new routes. And I brought up uh-huh. the Vampire Peaks. He was wanting to go to Baffin or something like that. And I was like, I think I got one better, you know? (laughs) And so we ended up going up there and then we went to Venezuela and, you know, climbed on the Acapantapui and, um, yeah. And, you know, I've cragged with him, you know, around a little bit since then. Not a whole lot. We stay in touch definitely, but. So looking back on your climbing career, do you have like a most memorable moment? No, not, not necessarily. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When I think about it, it's just, 
you know, I just get flooded with memories and like, like a lot of it is summits. Like I said, a you know, big thing for me in climbing is summits and, and you know, the friendships, you know, people like Jeremy who mm-hmm. I otherwise wouldn't know him. I would, you know, we wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for rock climbing. And so I'm grateful for that. Definitely. Yeah. I've met some incredible people and, you know, people who are attracted to rock climbing tend to be pretty exceptional, I think. And so I feel very fortunate, you know, to have immersed myself in the community, even though I'm kind of, I, I try to stay on the edge. You know, I, I'm not a big, big fan of, uh, hanging out in the scene and, you know, being seen and being known. It's never really been my, my thing. Uh huh. You know, I'd rather people not know. Well, really. what do you get, what do you get most psyched about these days then? Gosh, you know, anymore I get psyched about, somebody giving me a phone call that has a really tricky flooring project <laughs> for me. <laughs> that's, that's my life on the edge these days. Yeah. Um, any but, new hobbies or anything? No, I've been shooting a lot of photos more. Um, I still climb as much as I can. I think yeah. as I've gotten older, I'm 41 now, as I've gotten older and the flooring is pretty hard on me. So I, I, I used to be able to go to work and then go out and get some pitches in or train after work. And I just don't have the energy to do that sure. anymore. You know, I, I still, you know, read the Alpine Journal cover to cover every, you know, every year when it comes and I make plans. In fact, I'm hoping to go uh, to India next next summer with two young climbers who I think I helped inspire cool. them to be adventurous souls. So it's going to be kind of like a, a really fun trip to go out with these kids that, you know, they, they give me credit for helping getting them, uh-huh. you know, opening their eyes to the adventure of climbing and the possibilities outside of, you know your backyard basically yeah that must be nice to like to be the mentor after yeah, years and years absolutely. of being mentored yep yeah um but as far as like other hobbies you know i do you, you know, still do you shoot rock climbing for photo and stuff yeah. or is it other stuff yeah i mean i'll go out and shoot landscapes i'm not mm-hmm. like a super dialed photographer but i, I really do yeah. like having an idea or like seeing something and coming back with my camera and uh-huh. capturing it well so I, i'm a big fan of that so no big projects around here then as for, far as climbing for climbing i mean again you know i think i've just got to mess mikey's layout up a little okay. bit every every <laughs> every update so i've been trying to get myself fit uh to go do some of the some of the rando projects i have at endless wall and at south nut all and you know those are they're great lines yeah. i really do want to climb them and um yeah that's about it i've got some a lot of rock climbs i want to shoot um, for the guidebook uh-huh. stuff just to get people out and to explore the gorge a little bit more all three gorges that this place is getting more and more popular and i'm seeing a lot of people going to the same areas you know fern point beauty mm-hmm. mountain you know lower meadow first buttress in the meadow those places are just getting gang banged so uh, one of my focuses has been to just try to get more photographs because that's ultimately what gets people out there mm-hmm. people see a photo of a route and like i said earlier it kind of gives them something to talk about they're like yeah oh you know that that route there's a picture of so-and-so on it <laughs> yeah i went and did that you know or it's on the cover of, of the guidebook or whatever but most of my projects right now are you know i want to finish this house it's half remodeled i definitely want to get this thing done how long have you lived here in fayetteville so i've lived here for, I guess since 2011, I moved here in the summer of 2011. So, okay. And yeah, about seven years. Was it really just because of all, you know, the sheer quantity and quality of the rock climbing or what, you know, yes. community? Did you have yeah. friends here? Oh yeah, absolutely. The community here is great, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was starting to come up here more and more when I lived in Boone. I mean, I was coming up here every weekend for the last, seemed like every weekend for the last couple of years I lived in, in the Boone area. And my girlfriend at the time, Jessa, uh, really wanted to to get out of Boone and we couldn't really buy a house there. We wanted to, you know, wanted an investment and 
coming here just makes sense because the property is still pretty cheap. No, not nothing like the steel we got on this house here. Sure. But um, yeah, it, it, I think that it was kind of just a perfect case scenario uh -huh. for us is like cheap. We could buy a house and the climbing is, you know, 15 minutes from here. I can be just about anywhere in the gorge. You know, I've been talking to people a lot about that. Like, I'm always surprised that more climbers don't live here. And they yeah. always give me the same reaction. Oh, it's the weather. or You know, there's nothing to do. There's no jobs. But when you look at all like the climbers who are independently wealthy, who like live in Boulder and stuff. Yeah. You know, if they lived here, they could live way more comfortably, have better rock climbing. Yeah. And stuff like that. It surprises me. Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just that. A lot of people use that excuse, but ultimately, you know, a lot of people want a, a lot of people around them. You yeah. know, I've seen, you yeah. know, that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't I don't think people shouldn't live in Boulder because of the scene. I happen to like going there, and I've got a lot uh -huh. of good friends there, and I enjoy the energy. It's awesome. You know, there's sure. a lot of rock gyms. It's, it's great. I can see it's a very appealing place to live. And I think if we had a gym here, and, and I think that would help a lot I'm of people. I'm surprised there isn't a climbing gym. Well, you know, we've all been fist fighting over who's going to do it and you know ultimately no one's got i think even just like a the financial well the financial thing is is a big it's never going to make money right mm -hmm. i don't think you know you couldn't have like a big earth treks here it would just lose money um and then the, the the hard thing is, is like okay well how big is it how big does it need to be you know yeah do you open it as a co-op but ultimately who's going to you know fork the money out and then the second big issue with the climbing gym here is there's no real good place for it uh -huh. so you have to build a building and jess and i put a lot of time last year into trying to figure out where to put a building and how much it was going to cost. And, you know, it ended up being like a half a million dollar project by the time yeah. we really got the thing down on paper. And, and, um, you know, we, we got it to a point where we probably could have pulled the trigger and put ourselves in debt and had a cool, you know, and had a cool building with a good gym and some other, I mean, you know, I want a wood shop and stuff like that. Yeah. So it'll happen. Yeah. I mean, there's some nice home walls here that I think kind of fit the, the need a little bit, but yeah, I, I think there's a, a little. Some of the amenities are are lacking. I think for mm -hmm. this place to be a you know a livable destination for a lot of a climbing gym and a like a coffee two coffee shop. Yeah. is needed. Yeah, and it seems the coffee shop thing seems so easy. <laughs> so easy. Yeah. I don't get it. Like the only option here is Cathedral Cafe, which is a great place to eat, but not yeah. a good place to like drink coffee and work. It's not all day. an awesome place to hang out. Matter of fact, they don't. You know, when it's busy peak season. You don't want to go in there and hang out. No, you're exactly. Just like, yeah, you're, you're, you're That's killing. why I'm driving down to Beckley to go to Starbucks. Oh, right. Yeah, you Starbucks know? loves you to hang out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's tough. You know, the problem here, too, is like the off-season here is is pretty grim. Uh-huh. You know, like in the winter, there's not a lot going on. Like the restaurants are just leaning on locals only okay. for the most part. So all these people you see here aren't here all the time. You know, mm -hmm. you're here at peak season, so you're like, sure. oh, there's people everywhere. Yeah, and you know, more and more, this I mean, this place is starting to become kind of a magnet for tourism. And, you know, that's going to just, you know, as that keeps rolling, it's snowball effect, right? It's just mm -hmm. more and more people are going to come here. So it'll all happen in yeah. time. Things happen slow here, it seems like. But, yeah, that's that's fine by me. I've, I've finally gotten to the point where I don't climb as much, so I don't mind about all the people being out at the crag and stuff. And it is definitely getting more popular. But that used to really kind of bug me. Uh-huh. You, like, go out, and there's, why are there people here? Gosh. Oh, I hate that. Like, why are there people at Beauty Mountain? <laughs> like, because it's really awesome climbing, you know? I'd much rather climb, like, some obscure one, two-star stuff than be about around a bunch of people climbing four-star yeah. classics. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That's me, though. <laughs> well, unfortunately for us, there's plenty of places off the grid here that are all yeah. four-star, too. So. I need to check out South Nuttall. Yeah, that South Nuttall's kind of like... 
that's where I spend most of my time climbing. It really is kind of the king crag. It is some of the best crag climbing we have here. And a lot of the reason is because it kind of got glassed over from early development of sport climbing and stuff. So now we're getting to go back and revisit these lines that people have seen back in the day, but they just didn't go out there and bolt. Mm -hmm. There wasn't as much activity going on out there. And fortunately for us around here, the, the rock, you know, lends itself to drag climbing, you know, all the horizontals we have and the rock being so good. You can put a lot of little gear in slider nuts, you know, RPs really are good gear here. The Mm -hmm. rock is bomber. So we're getting to climb these routes without bolts. It's pretty fun. (laughs) So you see yourself staying around here for a while. I think so. And I definitely see my role changing a little bit, you know, from going out and just cleaning and developing and stuff to more of a community minded you know, like, let's try to figure out how to make this a comfortable place. And it's an investment, right? Uh-huh. You know, I definitely want to return on my investment here. So, you know, whether it be buying properties for Airbnb rentals or mm-hmm. trying to, you know, get a group of people together to make a nice rock gym or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, you know I, I try to, you know, when I have big jobs, I try to keep people employed as much as I can, you know, with flooring and stuff like that. So that helps. Uh, but that that's definitely this is home for a while. Uh huh. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where I would go. Like, I'm kind of spoiled here. Sure, like, you know, moving back to the front range would be fun just because there's so much other stuff going on. There's, like, never a dull moment. It seems like there's always somebody to hang out with. And, uh-huh. You know, we can't, we've all get – I wouldn't say we get tired of each other here, but, you know, there's only a few locals that hang out, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, as the – you know, when the, the climbers traveling through fade away, you know, it's like <laughs> – it gets a little quiet here. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no I problem. hope it wasn't too painful. I know you don't no, do man, these interviews awesome. a lot, but – Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. Okay, that's the conclusion of the show. I want to thank both our guests, Jessica Goebel and Pat Goodman, for their time. Our theme music was provided by Small Houses at smallhouses.band. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, you can do that at iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you all for tuning in, and see you at the next Base Camp.